0: Just curious, uh, anybody like waiting? (laughs) I mean, we, we want answers, and we want them now. We want it fixed when? Now. We want to go from the start to the finish just like that. We do not like waiting, do we? Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed the uh, economics, is, uh, it's always a uh, topic of discussion. You know, from interest rates to job rates, from the bull market to the bear market, from supermarkets to stock market. You know, the, the stock market, it's just been crazy. I mean, we, we hit a new high, Dow Jones, top 22,000 points. And uh, it's been climate for a while. But people are concerned uh, about the economy. You know, for some, it's good. And for others, it's not so good. And what I want to do today is talk about a different kind of economy. You know, we're going to talk about uh, something that I think causes a lot of confusion in people's lives. If, if you're a Christian... I believe it can lead to spiritual bankruptcy in your life. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, maybe you're just checking things out, I believe it can put you in kind of a holding pattern. It'll keep you from ever taking that step of faith and making Jesus Christ your Savior and Lord. And what I'm talking about, I'm talking about pain and suffering. Pain and suffering in God's economy. Now, one of the things I love about the Bible is that it doesn't just give us easy answers. It doesn't shy away from what I would consider very tough topics. In fact, Jesus regularly would deal with challenging topics, and yet I look at some of the world religions, and they try and tell us there's no such thing as pain and suffering, that Pain and suffering actually is kind of uh, an illusion, and that we're just mistaken about it. But Jesus says this, and John uh, says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. <laughs> but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus, if you read that chapter, he was telling his disciples, and I believe he was informing you and I, that we're going to have problems in life. That it's going to happen. You, you will face troubles in, in your life and, and struggles. In fact, some of you today, you, you would say, I've got pain in my life. I'm going through some suffering right now. You know, some of you it might be you're dealing with the difficulty of a son or a daughter. You know, some of you are battling a, a critical illness or a chronic illness in your life. Some of you uh, maybe lost a job. You know, I've had a financial setback. For, for some, your, your marriage is in this tenuous state. Others are dealing with maybe a parent that has Alzheimer's or maybe uh, struggling with the loss of someone that you love dearly. Pain and suffering, major issues. Pain and suffering, I believe, rattles people's faith. And it usually raises a couple questions when it happens, you know, why me? Why, why did this happen to me and why now in my life? And we're in this series uh, we called Level Up. And we've been looking at how to level up in our life, how to mature in, in our spiritual lives. And it's one of the most practical books that we've been looking at. It's the book of James. And James, he kind of gives us instructions uh, about a lot of different areas. And we've, we've kind of jumped around, and we'll continue to jump around and look at these areas. But one of the things he talks about is how to deal with pain, how to deal with suffering. You know, James, he, he's the half-brother uh, of Jesus. And I want you to think about this for a minute. Can you imagine if Jesus was your brother? I mean, can you imagine growing up in that household, you know, I, I am sure that there were times that, that James went to Mary and Joseph and, and like, is Jesus always right? You know, is he always right? I mean, after all, Jesus was perfect. And I'm sure it was tough. And we know from history that James did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't believe until after the resurrection. And then James would spend the rest of his life trying to convince the Jewish people that Jesus was the Messiah, that it was true about him. I find it interesting, James was not a theologian, but he knew a lot about pain and suffering. And I'm going to warn you up front that that James is going to give us an answer to this whole pain and suffering thing. And initially, you may go, well, that's pretty superficial. I mean, you may even think it's kind of a weak explanation but I would challenge you to not jump to that conclusion too quickly. How do people respond to pain and suffering? Well, I think a lot of different ways. Some, some people, when they encounter it, it's, is, is, if there's a God, why did God let this happen? If there's a God... Apparently, God doesn't care about me. I don't believe in a God like that. And it's a choice that some people make in their life. They've created this nice, neat, very manageable kind of image of God that they put in a nice little frame. And so when God doesn't meet their expectations or their preconceptions, maybe I should say, when God gets outside of that, it kind of trips them up. And so you'll hear people say things like, well, I can't believe that God exists, because if God did exist, then this wouldn't have happened in my life. I wouldn't be dealing with this. And so it's a struggle. Other, other people would say, well, I, I believe in God. Just don't get him. Just don't get it. That's the problem with pain and suffering, isn't it? You know, people will, especially after tragedies and things, they'll go, Well, Damon, you remember 9 11? I mean, what what about the tsunami, you know, in Indonesia? What about the, the shooting in Sandy Hook Elementary School? I just can't buy into a God that would let those kinds of things happen. And what I want to say is, you know, you can believe whatever you want to believe about things, but it doesn't change a couple facts. One, it doesn't change the fact that there's pain and suffering in this world. And it doesn't change the fact that God exists. I heard one time that there's only one thing worse than being disappointed by God. And that's being disappointed without God. Friends, we need to understand that God's sovereign. And that God loves us. And I think... Those are both wonderful things to, to hear. But it is a whole nother thing to believe that, to know that, and to accept that in your life. You know, when it comes to pain and suffering in, in, in life, James is going to give us a very simple two-word answer. I mean, he's going to give us two words to the most complex question, maybe, in life. And he's gonna say this be patient. Be patient? What? I mean, are you kidding me? Be patient? I mean, that's it? That, that, that's your advice to us, James? And I, I think, what's it mean to be patient in, in life? In, in the Greek, the, that word for patience is really it's two words. It's macro, which means long and therma, which means fused. It's where we get the word thermometer. So when you're patient, you're long-fused. Some of your versions translate that long-suffering. You know, patience is core to maturity. Maturity, it's a theme of the book of James. It's about maturity. James, James says... You know what? We're going to focus. We're going to focus on developing an authentic faith. You know, James is writing. He's writing to Christians throughout the Mediterranean world. And basically, he's saying, I want you to mature. I want you to mature, and I want you to go from Gerber to stake in your life. I want you to progress. He wanted people in that day to progress. He wants us to progress And James says, the one way you begin maturing is to be patient. And here's what I think messes us up. We tend in our lives to look at what makes us look good, what makes us feel good. We we focus on, on what brings pleasure in our life. And so we're not very patient. You know, in fact, we're impatient, and, and it jams us up. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. James is talking about the second coming of Christ, when Jesus will return to this earth victoriously. He's encouraging Christians in that statement to say, you know what? Keep one eye on eternity. Remember, this isn't, this isn't it. not it you know, this life's brief. He's also referring to the, the infusion, I'm going to say, of Jesus Christ in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your suffering, that, that he's going to get involved in that. If you're going through a hard time today, if you've got a lot of pain in your life, I want you to know that Jesus is going to show up in a very huge way. If you do what God wants you to do with that. Now I want to go back a little bit to the economics. I want to go back to the the patience as it relates to to God's economy. And I want to say patience requires an investment on our part. If you're a believer, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are rich. In fact, turn to your neighbor and go, "I'm rich." I'm rich. So are you. I mean, we really are rich. You know, God sent his son, Jesus, to to die on the cross for our sins. God makes this ultimate investment in us with his son. He invests in all of us. And then God says, you know what? You get a choice. You got a choice to make. You, You can decide whether or not to make a faith investment. You know, to open up this kind of trust fund, so to speak. And as we choose that, God says it's going to grow. But we can also choose to not have faith. And the great thing about having faith is we just need an itty-bitty amount of faith. You know, Jesus says we need the faith the size of a mustard seed, the smallest seed that was known at that time. You know, once you believe the, the, to the best of your ability, whatever that is, it, it, no matter how small it is, even if it's itty-bitty, what happens? Well, Jesus infiltrates our life. It's kind of this cosmic transaction that takes place. We talked about this a little bit last week, but all of our guilt, all of our trash, all of our baggage, all of our sin, it's transferred to Jesus. And then all of Jesus' grace and mercy and forgiveness are transferred into our life, and it's a trust fund. It has to do with us trusting God. And friends, we are seriously rich just in and of that. But patience, patience, it requires an investment on your part. Every time you're patient, you mature. Trust fund grows. Trust in God grows. And then you can begin to live off the, the interest or the dividends, so to speak. You know, there's going to be this huge payoff, and we'll talk about it in a, in a little bit. But James, he immediately just shifts, and he gives us an illustration about, about a farmer. And uh, James says, says this. I mean, he's, he's talking about farming. How many of you remember as a kid the song, uh, The Farmer in the Dale? Yeah, I don't even know. I hope they don't teach that anymore. That song drove me crazy. Farmer in the dale, the farmer in the dale. There you go, the farmer in the dale. And then there were like a thousand verses after that. And and our teacher, we would sing almost all of them. And so we're singing and the song would go on and on and on. And it would wear me out. Even as a little kid, I thought, please be over, please. You know, I, I didn't have patience. But farmers have patience it says be patient then brothers and sisters how long until the coming of the lord see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains farmers don't just sit and drink lemonade and watch tv they wait they wait patiently they're, they're, it's an active thing that they do. It's not a passive thing. Because as they're waiting, what are they doing? They're, they're working the soil. You know, they plant the seed. They're, they're weeding. They're fertilizing. They're spraying. They're, they're caring for the land. And they're working. And while they're waiting, they keep working. And I want to say, Christians, patience is an activity. We we don't like to wait, but we got to be involved in that process. You know, how many of you like to go out and eat? Have you ever noticed how much waiting you do when you go out and eat? I mean, you wait to be seated, then you wait for a menu then you wait so you can place your order and then you wait for your food and then you wait for your bill and then you wait for your change a lot of waiting involved and i find it very funny because restaurants have the audacity to call the staff waiters you know i'm thinking wait a minute i'm the one waiting you know yeah some of you are waiting you're waiting right now your world's been plowed up Maybe God plowed it up. Other times, God allows it to be plowed up. We face trials. We face problems here and there. We are to wait patiently. But as we're waiting patiently, we're praying. We're talking to God. We're involved in in the body of Jesus Christ, the church. And like a farmer, we can't see what's going on Below the surface, some of you have no idea what God's doing right now. But I'll tell you, God's doing something significant. God's preparing; He's producing in your life, and He He's done it in mine. He, under the soil, He's preparing a harvest. James goes on; he says, "You too, be patient and stand firm." The, the Greek idea there of stand firm is to be stabilized, to be propped up, held up. James says, okay, be patient. See, be patient. Stand firm. Why do we need the local church? So we can stand firm, so that people will be there helping to hold us up. So that when the pain and the suffering hit, and they will, then we got somebody to support us, to to help us, to prop us up, to encourage us. Is God going to do that? Sure, God's going to be there and doing that. But you also need the church in that. He says, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord is coming near. He's coming near. Jesus is coming back one day. He's coming back to this planet. And he's going to come back in victory. But he's also waiting to invade your circumstance that you're going through right now. See, be patient. Stand firm. And he's going to give us another command. He says, don't grumble. (laughs) When you're facing pain and suffering... Our tendency is to grumble, right? True? He says, don't grumble. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. You'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Jesus is standing at the door. He's listening. He's listening. He's listening to what you say. He's watching. He's paying attention to how you're dealing with the pain and the suffering. And I know as I say that, some of you go, well, okay, Damon, are you saying we should, like, fake it? You know, paste on a smile, act like everything's okay. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, the Bible would say, pour your heart out to God. Express the anger and the frustration and the pain. You know, say, God, what's up with this? I don't understand what's going on. I don't get it. But at the end of the day, you got to trust And you got to realize that God is listening, that God is standing at the door. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to open it so that he can invade that pain, so he can get involved in that suffering, get involved in your life and help you work through it. You know, God's listening to what you say. I mean, he's tuned in. I had a colleague, this was years ago, but uh, he said he was visiting some relatives and uh, he hadn't met them before and so he was getting to know some of them and they had built a new house and they had a new baby. And he said uh, they had this great meal and they got done and the host was cleaning up the dishes and said, oh, take a tour of the house. you know." And so he said he was walking with his wife and checking the house out and so he's like, whoa, these relatives are rich, honey. I mean, they're really rich. This, this house is huge. And he was saying the kind of thing that you say to your spouse. He didn't realize the baby monitor was on. And the intercom was in the kitchen, or one of the intercoms was in the kitchen. And said, uh, he said, but it got worse. He said, he, he's in the baby's room, and there was a picture of her in her wedding dress. And he goes, whoa, she's packed it on, hasn't she? You know. And then I don't know what else he said. He just told me it went downhill from there. Friends, be careful what you say. Because God's listening. And I will tell you, he has a far better connection than some Fisher-Price baby monitor in a room. It is tempting when you're going through problems to be impatient. It is tempting to not stand strong in your faith. It is tempting to freak out when problems come. And it is very, very tempting to grumble. I mean, it, it's human nature. We are not naturally patient people. We do not naturally stand Firm. We do not naturally say positive things, and it is really, really easy to complain. True? You agree with that? But we're talking about leveling up in our lives. Understanding that you have great potential in your life because of Jesus Christ. If you understand who you are and who you belong to, friends, you are rich. You know, a few verses later, James is going to say this. He says, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear. (laughs) And there's a couple ways that, that we swear. And again, this is another command. He says, do not swear. Don't do it. James, James, he's figured this whole pain and suffering thing out. We, we're impatient, usually. We're not standing firm. We're freaking out. We grumble, and then we swear, and we do it a couple different ways. I mean, one, we swear, and we make promises to God, right? If you're going through something, you, you've done this, haven't you? God, I'll serve you for the rest of my life if you'll just fix this. God, I'll, I'll, I'll become a missionary, If you'll just do this, God, I swear I'll do it. We tell our friends, I swear to God, if he gets me through this, I'm going to do this. And then others swear, well, we take God's name in vain. (laughs) Just let it fly. What's it mean to swear? Well, it means to take something sacred Or someone sacred. And use it to back up what we're saying. He says, above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear. Not by heaven, or by earth, or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Bottom line, don't swear. Don't swear. Patience. It requires an investment. It also will produce prophets in your life. And you can spell prophets a couple ways. Prophets, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. You know, that's like the mouthpiece of God. You know, Noah was a prophet. Daniel was a prophet. Elijah, Jeremiah. I mean, we could go on and on. He says, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. See, profits, spelled that way, there's also, when we have patience, it generates profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, profit, in God's economy. Obedience to God does not mean that everything's going to be easy, does not mean that it's smooth sailing. In fact, you can expect you will have problems and pain and hurt in your life. But we're running this race with God by our side. And friends, I will tell you that's incredible. But we're going to face the pain and we're going to face suffering, right? I mean, think about it. Jesus, he's fully obedient, perfect. But he faced death on the cross. James, he brings up the prophets, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, Remember, Jewish audience he's speaking to, they hear him talk about the prophets and they're like, yeah, we get the prophets. We understand the prophets. We, we understand that the, the prophets persevered in their life. They, they understood that the prophets had faced pain and suffering. They understood that patience was something that the prophets had. And I imagine when those words rolled off his tongue about the prophets, they thought about like Daniel. They thought about how King Darius had made a law that everybody was to bow down to this false statue and this false God. And they thought about how Daniel stood up and refused to bow down. And because of that, he's thrown in the lion's den. What happened? Well, God showed up. God showed up and invaded that situation. Shut the lion's mouth. Daniel, he he was patient and God moved. Daniel became known as one of the greats in the Old Testament. You see it over and over and over in Scripture. You know, Noah, Noah had patience. Elijah had patience Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had patience, and God moved in their situation. wasn't in their timing, but it was in God's timing. James go, goes on, he says, verse 11, he says, As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. <laughs> That's absolutely true, isn't it? Friends, I have seen this in in families throughout my ministry. Families go through horrific pain, terrible suffering, and their faith, it's deep, it's rich, it's entrenched in them. You you see it. You know, you talk to them about what's going on and they'll point to God. God's seen this through. God's got a plan. I don't get it right now, but I believe it. And friends... I'll see they'll have days of questioning, doubt, tears, fear, all that stuff, but their faith sustains them. And I will tell you, I thank God for those families. I thank God for, for their stories because they inspire. They inspire me. They've inspired you. He says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord's full of compassion and mercy. See, patience, it requires an investment. It generates profit in our life, and it produces a payoff. There is a payoff for having patience in in your life. I mean, a patient fisherman, they catch fish, ultimately. You know, a patient batter, they usually get the best hits. Patient investor. They make money. They may do it slowly, but they do it. Job, he's noted for having patience. I mean, Job, he's this major league player, heavy hitter financially. He's got the world by the tail. And in a two-day period of time, Job loses his companies, his home's destroyed, his children are killed in that disaster, and then he gets this horrible disease his wife she's struggling her her encouragement to him it was something like this honey curse god and die <laughs> but job job had patience job job struggled in his life job job's trying to figure out what what's going on in in his life and so his friends and his wife they they come to him, but they're not much encouragement in fact, his friends they they end up kind of taking pot shots at him and they take pot shots at god and it's in the the midst of that that they struggle I mean patience <laughs> it rewards us along the way some of you in your, your life you're uh, struggling you need patience you need God's patience you need to have patience like Job you know ultimately God would give Job a double portion of a blessing because he was patient God would reward him and lift him up. Some of you need to hear that. You see, Job was macrothermal, long fused, long suffering. He matured in, in, in his faith through the pain. Hear this through the pain, through the suffering, he matured. How, how do we know he matured? Well, Job 42.5 says this. In the past, this is Job talking, he says, In the past, I knew only what others had told me. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. See, Job knew about God. He was a believer. He was a faithful believer. But it was because of the pain, because of the suffering, that he's able to see God and experience God in a greater and a more incredible way in his life. Friends, some of you, you need that. You need to experience God at that level. And I know some of you are going, I'd like to level up. I'd like to mature in my faith. But I can't do it. I I can't handle the pain I can't handle suffering on my own. I, I've tried. I've tried to be patient. I can't, can't do it. I've tried to stand firm, but I can't, I can't do it. You know, I've tried not to grumble, but I just can't help myself. I grumble. I've tried not to swear, bargain with God, but, but I, I do. I, I just can't do it on my own. And I want to tell you, you're absolutely right. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it. It's not natural. But you can do it supernaturally in your life. First Peter 2, it says, For it is a credit to you, if being aware of God, you endure pain while suffering unjustly. I like this, the way he puts it. He goes, If you endure when you're beaten for doing wrong... What credit is that? I think he's kind of saying, "Yeah, you may be getting what you got coming." But if you endure when you do right and suffer for it, you have God's approval. There's a phrase at the very beginning there: "For it is a credit to you." It's the Greek word "charis" uh, is there. It's it's grace. We know it is grace. It's translated, for it is credited. Some versions, uh, according to what Bible you got, it may say found favor with. Bottom line, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. There, there's that transaction, it's supernatural transaction that takes place when we have faith when we have faith it may be the size of a mustard seed it may be a little bitty but if we decide to trust God what happens is there's a payoff in our life and there's a supernatural infu- infusion in our life and so patience becomes easier for us because of God and it comes with a reward mean, what's the payoff for patience? Well, if you're a Christian, it means you can tap into that trust fund. You know, it's kind of like receiving a blank check. And I know these of you are going, okay, so, Damon, if if I'm living for God and I, I... I'm willing to trust him. I'm going to have this infusion of patience in my life as I'm facing the pain, as I'm facing the suffering in my life. Well, friends, yeah, God, God says I'm going to get involved in that. And, and he's going to kind of credit us, so to speak. And I'm going to use the word check to make this real easy. These are things you can expect if you have patience in the midst of the pain. One, your character. C, Character. You know, you, you, if you persevere through the pain, through the suffering, it's going to build character in your life. You know, when you face trials, when God allows things to happen, or when your soil gets plowed up because of sin in this world or whatever, it is an opportunity to develop character. And you've heard me say this. You cannot develop endurance and patience and those types of things unless you go through the trials. You know, you cannot develop character in a vacuum. You have to experience life to build character. And I I hate to tell you this. It's not fun. It is not fun. You know, looking in the rearview mirror of my life, I, I, I have to say... I have learned more in the difficult times than I've learned in the good times. And that's true for you too. Heaven. Heaven's our ultimate destination, isn't it? You know, pain and suffering. When we face those things, we we need to look at that in light of eternity. Because, friends, this is a blip on the radar compared to the joy that we will experience in heaven. Also helps you push through sometimes, knowing that this isn't the end. E, empathy, empathy. This is huge when it comes to pain and suffering. It gives you the opportunity to empathize with others because you've been there. Friends, if you've been through a divorce, you better understand the issues of going through a divorce. If you've lost your job, what you find is you're much more empathetic to someone that loses theirs. Again, because you've been there. Now, if you've been knifed in the back, you can better relate to someone that's talking about being betrayed. Betrayed. You know, if you've been through a financial crash, you better understand what that really means. And while it's happening to you, whatever it is, whatever this, this trouble is in your life, the entire time you're going, well, how can God use this? But it's in the rearview mirror down the road when you've got time and space that God will use it. And you know what he's going to use it for? For ministry. I get pretty jazzed up when I see people empathizing with one another, helping one another. You know, when I see someone that has battled cancer, and I see them helping someone else deal with a very similar situation. You know, when I see parents... that that have struggled with their kids, maybe struggling with their kids now, but they're with other parents and they're talking and they're sharing and they're supporting and they're encouraging one another in that endeavor. Do not underestimate the importance of empathy. And friends, that list goes on and on and on. Some of our ministries have been born out of that pain that someone had going through something and they said, I'm going to make a difference. See, credibility, credibility. When everything's fine in your life, it's the bull market. You know, when you're making money, when you're climbing the ladder, when you're healthy, when you've got things happening and you're gaining and all's good, well, I'll be honest, very few people pay attention. But you let the bottom drop out you let the roof cave in and people sit up and they start watching and they want to see if your faith is real and I pray it is because they're watching you're, you're a commercial at that point and I will tell you people would rather see a sermon than listen to one Okay, kinship. Pain and suffering bond people together. Pain and suffering bond people to Jesus Christ. You grow close during the pain and the suffering. You grow close in the fires. You just do. What happens when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste? What comes out? Whatever's in the tube, right? In other words, if if it's crest toothpaste and I squeeze the tube, what comes out? Crest. You know, if it's close up and I squeeze the tube, close up comes out. Here's my question for you today. What happens when you get squeezed? What comes out? Because friends, I want to tell you, God wants to see himself revealed in you in those times. He doesn't want to see you grumbling. He doesn't want to hear you swearing. God wants us to learn patience. God wants us to have a, a firm foundation so we're not shaky. He wants us to be patient in our lives. And we can only do that in God's economy. God's economy. Friends, we are so rich because we have Jesus Christ. And we do have what it takes to get through whatever it is that you're going through today. But it's going to take some patience on your part. See, we grow spiritually. We grow in our relationship With God, and we grow in our trust with God when we're going through those tough times, and we grow because we know God's working. When you're patient, there's a lot of rewards. I'm not saying you go, Whoo, I'm so glad I'm going through this problem, but there will come a day that you look back and you go, God can be trusted. God was with me. God saw me through it. And I'm a better person. I've grown. I've took this step. See, we level up. Because God's maturing us. We're going to celebrate in communion today. And um, just to prepare us for that, Worship team's going to come back out and they're just going to lead us in a meditation piece. Just remain seated where you're at and uh, then we'll celebrate in communion. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, you created fearfully, wonderfully. And God, I know there are some here today that uh, some are in storms some are dealing with enormous amount of pain today and God I pray that your holy spirit would just whisper that you're there that you're you want to be involved and to help deal with the struggles and the doubt and the fears and God I also pray that uh, brothers and sisters would Just pull alongside to help sure them up. God, we praise you for the mighty way you love us. We praise you for your grace and your strength. God, we pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would just take us from that weak spot. That we'd rise up wings like eagles we'd run and not grow weary or tired. God, we thank you that you know exactly where we are right now and that you're working. We may not see it yet, but you're preparing a harvest there will be fruits for the labor and the pain God, help us to trust you. God, we give you the glory, the praise, the stand every day. God's people said, just remain seated, and let God minister to you.